You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey, yeah. yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome in to Judd's Hockey Show with a side of Declan. That side of Declan is the voice you hear right now. Thank you for listening to us wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, the Score North app. Just giving you a little easy intro into what you can expect on this episode. On Tuesday evening, Judd and I chatted with Marcus Foligno, who was quarantined from his home in Ontario. We talked a variety of topics, the NHL season being on pause, his thoughts on resuming the season, maybe even like to wear a captaincy, and also be sure to stay tuned on which player is most likely to drink and loves him some White Claws. And let's be honest, I love my White Claws, and I was shocked at this answer. We'll get into this interview right now with Marcus Foligno on Judd's Hockey Show. Full gym, full gym set that we get at Tria Rink, so... Uh, trying to do as much as I can with the treadmill that I have and just kind of body weight stuff and, and um, yeah it's 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 challenging but at the same time too it's it's kind of good to have these workouts tonight keep yourself busy but uh, that's the biggest thing family time and, and trying to stay in shape to hopefully continue the season. Can you skate? I mean, is, is there are there rinks or things even socially distanced to go to to try and get a skate in? No, nothing. I mean, everything that uh, I know about is uh, they actually took the ice off here in my hometown. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, everyone has to survive financially. So if the arena's running, that means they, they got to keep up uh, money and costs. So every every sheet of ice in my hometown is, is off right now, and it's it's pretty tough to see that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about purchasing some rollerblades. <laughs> I haven't had rollerblades probably since I was 10 or 12, but uh, – I thought about giving it a go. Has this just been a such a weird time not being able to play hockey? I mean, obviously your offseason would begin maybe if you weren't in the playoffs, but just having things shut down so abruptly, I got to imagine it was just an awkward start to your quote-unquote offseason. Yeah, I know exactly. I think that's that's the biggest thing. I mean, we, we came back home, but uh, even family and friends, you're not seeing them either. I mean, we've really been just with my, my wife and my daughter, so it's just been us three, and it's been uh, – like I said, like, you know, you're calling your dad and, and um, you know, you're 10 minutes from him, but yet uh, it's, it's, it's not, uh, you know, we got to stay our distance within each other, obviously flying in from, from the States to Canada, you have to take a 14 day isolation, things like that. That just, it's different, man. It's just so it's uh, it's eye-opening and it's just something that uh, you definitely take for granted seeing your family in the same city and, and, and now not being able to do it, it, uh, it definitely puts things in perspective. So all types of talk about uh, potential returns, Marcus, and you guys might be coming back in July if they can clear it or August to um, to complete the 2019-20 season. What's your understanding of where things stand right now? And just out of curiosity, how tough would that be, um, you know, to not play, not play, not play, and then come back without, I would guess, some exhibition games or something, right? Yeah, I mean – yeah, I mean, I, I think everything's – we're optimistic that we can come back and play and if it's July or, or if, it's, if it's even June. But, yeah, I think – I just think you can't just jump in right into to postseason, like you said, or, or just giving that uh, that round robin to get in. I think that's a, that's the scariest thing. It's just kind of 
saying, here you go, here you step into probably the most important hockey of your life, which is always near the end of the season and and have a, a how long we've been off for. So, I mean, guys haven't touched a stick. I know I haven't. I'm trying to start shooting bucks, things like that, but it just – it's going to be, if we do come back and we got to play right away, it's going to be some choppy hockey. So I like the idea of coming back and giving it at least a week um, where you can kind of feel the puck again, get some good practices in, power plays got to feel good again, things like that that you kind of take for granted. And, and we do it in the in training camp, you know, beginning of every season too. So that's something that I think that, that needs to be talked amongst the league. And I think that's, uh, I think players are preaching that when you can come back and you do have a little training camp to, to get back to the speed. Are, is, is there one of those plans that you've heard about or even that you haven't heard about that you're, that you're encouraged to do, or is it just you just want to play hockey any means necessary? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we yeah, we would all want to just kind of get back and, 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 and play. It. I mean, we, we had 12 games or so to, to kind of make a push, and we were a point out. So, um, I mean, for me, like, I, I, I'm, I'm good with whatever decision as long as we're back and playing, but uh, I think I heard it best that Ryan O'Reilly said it best that you have to have, you know, keep the integrity of the Stanley Cup alive. I think that's one thing, too, where we can't shorten maybe a series or things like that. It has to be best of seven. Things like that, if we do come back, you, you got to keep the tradition alive. It's, you know, I've been hearing some things where we might have to shorten the thing, maybe make it best out of three or best out of five, which I've only seen that in the American Hockey League, really. So um, I think the first round's best out of five or something like that or best out of three. But, um, I just think, yeah, the, the things like that just need to be put in perspective and, and the integrity of Stanley Cup needs to be there. So, um, But I, I think the biggest thing, too, is teams that are on that brink of elimination to get into the playoffs, um, I think it's it's best that if we do have that little, that little training camp uh, stint before getting into games. So how upset would, would you and your teammates be if they do decide to come back and basically end things where we left off? I think it was March 12th or so. And they basically said, okay, these teams are going to the playoffs – and these teams aren't. And to your point, I think that when it all came to a uh, to a stop, you guys were a point out. How upset would you guys be if that cost cost you a playoff spot? Because I mean, you would think that they're going to have to do something here to expedite things if they do try to play again in 2020. Yeah, I mean, that would be. Uh, we, I would never be in favor of that. <laughs> That's just uh, sure. something that. Uh, I don't know. I just felt like the way that we were going at the end, I thought that that's, we were a team that uh, showed better than our, the points in, in, in our column there. So I thought that um, definitely you hear about the stuff where we just need to get going and playing hockey, playing the playoffs, and it's going to be the teams that are in the playoffs. That's it. Sorry, teams that are out. So I, I think that's something that um, definitely can't be allowed. I, I just, I, I don't know. I just find that there's there teams that were coming up at the right time and, um, you know, we, we've seen it with so many other teams before that win a Stanley Cup. They peak at the right time and they go into the playoffs with, with a, a really good kind of swagger, good confidence. And um, it seems like those teams kind of kind of go far in playoffs. So I feel like that that's how you know, the Minnesota Wild was, was going, was trending. And um, it would be really tough to see just kind of the playoffs, who's ever in the playoffs now, started from there. I think it just it wouldn't be, un, it wouldn't be fair and it definitely uh, would give a lot of teams some, some sour taste that are about four or five or, or one point out like us. Sure. What changed with Dean? So from, in the change from Bruce to Dean, what was the, and I'll, you know, obviously it didn't get off to a good start with that Sharks loss there. Um, but after that, what sort of started to click in that coaching change that took you guys to a place where you definitely were competing for a playoff spot by the time we had the work stoppage or the stoppage, I should say. Yeah. I mean, that, that Shark loss was interesting. I remember, I remember that game. It was like, we played hard. We just, we obviously didn't score that game. And, um, it felt like 
it felt like after the game, media was kind of all over us. Like it wasn't a good game, but for some reason, us, that includes us, me. Yeah, guilty. No, no, <laughs> guilty is charged. <laughs> guilty. It's all good, but I, I don't know. If, I think the biggest thing for me was the, the just the atmosphere on the bench was different, and I know it was a loss, but sometimes you take you, you learn a lot from from losses, and I think after that point, we just saw the way Dean was on the bench. Um, I'm not I'm not saying it was it was it was a better ran bench than what Bruce did, but I just felt like his his um, you know you, you you had a turnover something like that in the offensive zone. It wasn't uh, you know where you kind of felt like a young guy was looking back over his shoulder saying, "Oh, you know what's what's so and so going to say of me?" That's this time. But Dean would just say, "Hey, you screwed up. You got to make something. You got to make something in your next shift or the shift after that." But um, and it was positive. You know, it was there's a lot of a lot of talk on the bench, things like that that was different. Um, just a different voice. So we kind of we kind of said, you know what? Yeah, we, we deserve to. And I think we went right on that uh, that road trip after to with the, with the father's trip, and maybe that sparked something. But um, I believe you know it was, it was Vancouver, Edmonton, and we played really well out there. Um, and then then we kind of we kind of stuck with it. I think it was just something that um, you know it, it was it was just more more offensive production was was coming our way. We had guys. Maybe hold on to the puck a little bit longer because they they wanted to make a make a mistake by 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 doing something good in the offensive zone and and hey if it's not a mistake then it, and it's a, usually a chance for and things like that and we were rolling great guys um, a lot of like Kevin Fiala just absolutely took off it seemed like and and uh, he, was, he was just a treat to watch even beside him and um, and you know Zach Breeze was playing so much better and just being around the net he was getting more more looks and things like that so our top guys were doing so much more and. Um, it just seemed like our role guys too were contributing. I think the Hartman and, and Koivu Donato or whoever was playing on that, that wing was was punching a lot of points for us too. So um, yeah, I remember being on line with Zuccarello and, and um, Galchenyuk and me. We all looked at each other. We're like, we got to start doing something too because I think we were the line that was kind of not, not doing so much in that, in that kind of six game uh, segment. But we started finding our game too. So. We almost had four lines rolling there, and it was there was a lot of fun. I getting excited to, to, to do it, and I think you saw a guy like Dean Evison. I don't know if you ever watched the bench score, but he actually fist pumps and celebrates. <laughs> Guys feed off that, so um, that that was different this year. And Marcus, do you think that this team does have the horses, especially if maybe if Kaprizov comes over here to maybe be an offensive first team? The defense is the bread and butter. We know that, but I, I believe it was you and ESPN recently that kind of said. You know, there are defensemen that can play an offensive game, and Dean's being an offensive-minded coach. Do you think that this team could also transition to being an offensive first team? Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's the way we're trending. I mean, it's definitely something that, I mean, we our, our defense are so – I think you just saw even Jonas Brodin getting into play a little bit more. Uh, Dumbo was getting in more. Spurgeon was leading the way too. And, um, yeah, I mean, that that's that's the biggest thing. I, I think our, our defense are so good, but – um, you know they're they're offensively smart in the zone, and I think our biggest biggest issue was just trying to get that from our defensive zone for for attack. You see so many defensemen, you know, you you as a winger you hit the guy in the middle. He's usually a defenseman, then he leads a three on two or an odd man rush with two two forwards and, and a defenseman. So that's how the game's played now. Um, you know, it's 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 better than a winger joins if he can skate that fast get up the ice. It, it's a, it creates a lot of other chances, but. Um, I found our D were just jumping. You know, as soon as we got possession, it seemed like our D were kind of blowing up the middle, and um, it's it, that's how it, that's how it felt. I mean, in Edmonton, I think it was the biggest thing. We I think we had two or three. Spurgeon had a hat trick that game, and Susie scored. So we had you know a couple goals there from defensemen, and I think that's the way that our team was looking at it as um, getting in the rush and 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 making plays uh, as uh, our defensemen were doing. 
what in your mind empowered or or changed it at least slightly for Fiala? Because to your point, he's a skilled player and he always looked pretty good. But that last what two months or so, he looked like a superstar. What yeah. changed? What changed in your mind to take his game from okay, this is a this is a talented and at times inconsistent player to a guy who a lot of nights looked dominant. Yeah, I, I, that was that was the biggest thing with Kev. I mean, he just kind of took control. He made, he made scored the big goal, um, and I think that just gave him confidence. And I think, um, I mean, he he's actually a very mature kid. I gotta say, I think um, he's he's had his ways in, in Nashville where he was knocked as. You know, he would play a couple games and play phenomenal. Then it would kind of go unnoticed for a bit. And I think um, that just comes down to maturity of Kevin Fiala. I think he didn't want to be that player anymore. Um, he, he really took it among himself. He, he works hard in practice. He stays on a little bit extra and does a lot of skill stuff. And, um, you know, he's not one of those guys that's this year, especially just got complacent. I mean, the start wasn't what it was in the last two months, obviously, the way he was right. playing. but. Maybe, you know, he found some he found some chemistry, I think, playing alongside Zach. And, and uh, um, you know, I think he played with Stolze for a bit, too. So, I mean, it's just sometimes chemistry, sometimes just feeling the flow of other guys, other line mates. I mean, really, if you, if you think about it, he came here last year and, and it, you know, a short, short little bit. And then, you know, he got one full season and then he took off after Christmas pretty much. So, um, yeah, we, we don't I, don't I don't see, you know, Kev uh, um, kind of falling back into that once in a while does does amazing things. I think that he's going to be a, a superstar for us and in this league. And um, But I think it's just his maturity. I think he's really got it uh, dialed in right now. And um, he knows that he, he needs to be a big player for us. Kaprasov, are, are you, you guys internally talking as much about him as fans? Because uh, th- there's an expectation, I think, that this kid is going to get here and be a star. And, and that might be a little bit premature to start off, out with. But... Do you guys talk much about the element, I guess, that, that he could bring? Because it does. I mean, this is a league where finding guys like that with his potential can be difficult. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm trying to listen to, I mean, I, I read a lot about him and then listen to what people are saying about him. I, I haven't watched anything on him. I don't know. The, I've seen some highlight goals that are on there on, on uh, social media and things like that. But, um, I mean, hey, if, if everyone's talking, you know, the way that this could uh, Kaprizov can can come in and dominate. Then I want to be on this guy's team for sure. So I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm all for it. I mean, that's that's the that's the biggest thing about it. You know, we um, we and Minnesota Wild needs players like that. I think that's 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 huge. I think we need uh, more than a couple guys that can be a threat. Uh, I just think I, I you know you see it with um, the best thing is Washington Capitals. I, I love comparing it to that team because I think they're just so dominant in so many ways. Um, but they have, I know they have a Vetchkin, but they have a Backstrom. They have an Oshie. Um, they, they got guys on the defense that can move the puck. And it's just, you need more than one threat nowadays for sure. So, um, if, if, hey, I'm all for it. Trust me. I don't think anyone's on our team is going to, you know, going to look the other way when he, if he has to come in and play with us, especially in the playoffs. I, I know it's, it's somewhat stings if you're maybe a guy who gets bounced a little bit in the lineup for this guy. But if he's going to be a guy that, that is supposed to, you know, um, be an absolute stud and superstar, then um, it's only going to help our team. Marcus, obviously, I wouldn't call it an elephant in the room, but the status of Miko Koivu's uh, tenure with the Wild and his career is a little bit up in the air. And unfortunately, this whole COVID-19 process put the put a big pause and a question mark in that. If, if Miko is done playing, and let's just say ownership maybe came to you or came to the players on who could wear the C next, is that something that maybe 
even you would want or someone on the other team? Are there any other teammates that you would know that you could look at and say, this guy has captain material too? Yeah, I mean, hey, I think anyone that gets approached by, uh, you know, the general manager or coaches or um, to, uh, to, to Don to see, I think is, is, is going to say yes. Um, I know I would, um, but I know that we have a lot of leaders in that room too. So um, it's going to be tough to replace Miko Koivu. I was, was actually joking with him a couple weeks ago. I said that this may be, you know, now that he can work out properly, I might be able to get a couple more years out of him. But <laughs> We'll see what that. He didn't say much. He said no comment to that. So, um, but, uh, to a teammate, yeah, I, I would love to see him back. I think we'd all would. He's just such a great leader, and so it's going to be tough to fill his shoes. But at the same time, I mean, you got so many guys that in that room. I mean, you obviously have Zach, Ryan, Suter, and, and and guys like you know Jared Spurgeon, who just is a steady pace in that room. I think Spurgeon's, um, you know, just such a good good player for us on and off the ice. Does always the right things and. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of great guys. I mean, you know, some guys have worn the seat before, um, Zach and, and Jersey and, and um, Stalzy and Carolina. So, yeah, it can go. They're, they're, that, that's the biggest thing. I, and I think that in order to be, you know, a captain, you need guys that can – you can't just be one or two leaders in the room. I think you need kind of a little small group. And um, we have that on our team. So, with you know, with Nico, we had a couple other guys around him that could help out. But, um, yeah, you know, like I said, if, if anyone – comes up to me and says or, or I'm sure those those guys in those room that if they want to see I think they would be honored and I know I would be honored too but like I said it'd be tough to, to fill the shoes of people boy for sure I, I will say this I do think that we come to you a lot in our job and after especially after tough games uh to talk to you and you do seem to uh, embrace that role which a lot of guys I think probably don't like um but in, in your time here there's been a definite in my mind maturation and a comfort that you have now and i'm not saying that you um share secrets but you also don't hold back if things aren't going well and and that's appreciated from our end because in sports not just hockey there's lots of guys who if things aren't going well will try and basically either not talk or blow the question off and i give you credit because in the last couple of years i think you've become a very uh, straight shooter with us when things are good but just as importantly when things aren't going good so that's a credit yeah. to you no, thanks. I, I just, you know, I think that people are smart nowadays and, and, and fans are smart and, and, and they can see what's going on on the ice. And I mean, there's just no reason to, to kind of, uh, you know, dodge questions. I think that there's something that's wrong. Trust me, there's a lot of internal things that happen that, you know, aren't said directly. But, um, you know, it, it just uh, when, when a reporter asks you a question, to just to answer it honestly and just to answer it uh, simply, I, I put it. Um, I think it's the best way. So, I mean, there's no reason to, um, especially as, as, as guys on the team who uh, people want to hear it from, especially, you know, when there's a tough loss, unfortunately. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that I remember when I was young is my dad. My dad, my dad coached me quite a few years, and he said, you know, the, the one thing that's great about this sport is that you can make news. You can make news whatever you want by how, you, how well you play. So, yeah. you know, we, we, at the end of the day, we make the news. So if we, if we have a bad game, it's going to be it's going to be some tough questions. And if it's a good game, then we're going to it's going to be we're going to want to talk to you guys forever. So it's just that's how it goes. <laughs> and uh, sometimes you're just going to suck it up. Hey, of, of the teams that your dad Mike played for, which I looked it up today: Detroit, Buffalo for ten years, uh, Toronto, and, and then I, I had forgotten this as a longtime hockey fan uh, finished his career with the Florida Panthers. Yeah. Which team did you grow up liking the most? The Sabers. 
Yeah, it was, it was Buffalo. And I think just because that's where we had our home base for the, for the most time. Because I remember we, my dad got traded to Toronto. I think he was there for two years or so. And then um, Toronto to Buffalo was so close. So I think we lived in, in Buffalo at the time. And he would actually just bounce from Toronto to Buffalo over the border. So uh, whenever he could see us. And then Florida, we actually moved down to Florida. And that was just for, I think, a quick stint in that, uh, yeah. a year or so. And um, I just remember having Christmas in Florida. And I was about five or four years old. So um, they're just looking back on some pictures and things like that. But it was pretty cool and, and different at the, at the same time coming from Buffalo. But, yeah, that was, um, I would say Buffalo Sabres definitely was, was more of being around it for so much more. Marcus, you, uh, oh, go ahead, Judd. Go ahead, Judd. Back, do you go back and watch the, those games much too? Because it's incredible. If you go back and watch the games from when your dad played to now, um, there are elements of it that look like a different sport. It's just incredible. Yeah. The speed w- was different. There was fighting, which at the time I personally enjoyed greatly. Yeah. Um, but there's just so many things about the game uh, 35 years ago that now are gone. Some were fun. Some probably weren't so good. Yeah, I think that uh, I always watch. I don't know if it's just always on news because it's such a great series, but the series against like Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, LA Kings, the conference finals, um, the one where the Kerry Frazier blown call on Doug Gilmore, the Wayne Gretzky high stick. 93. And uh, so that, I think that's the biggest thing. I love, I love just going back and I mean, I think you can go on YouTube and, and look up all my dad's uh, thousands of fights. It seems that he had in the, <laughs> in the NHL, but uh, just talking to him too. I'm like that. That's how it was. Uh, playoffs guys fought. And uh, now, you know, playoffs are so much different. You know, power play is such a lethal thing in the playoffs, I think. Right. Um, I remember watching one of the best fights. I think it was McSorley versus Wendell Clark in, in, I think it was game six or so in, in Toronto. It was just it was just a crazy time. The, the clutching, the grabbing, the holding, um, it almost, like, made it more interesting because it, it slowed it down to a certain pace. Like, it was almost – now it's, it's really fast, but um, – like you got guys that are just grabbing each other from behind the, the back check. You didn't have to back check. You just, you just lasso your stick around the guy and just went off for a ride. So it was just so interesting to see it. You know, you saw a two on one and then the guy would just hook you and it'd be a two on two. So it just, just crazy times goalies. The, 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 the game was definitely a, a, a different game back then, but um, it was just exciting and, and even more, more uh, physical for sure. Marcus, while you're quarantined, uh, have you been up? To, have you been watching anything, binging anything, trying to keep your mind busy or anything? Is there any uh, activity you've been picking up over this last month or so? Yeah, um, honestly, uh, I think the biggest thing I watched uh, is Ozark right now, and then obviously everyone's talking about Tiger King. I finished that, and I was I still walked away from it with a big question mark on my head, like <laughs> what the heck did I just watch? But it was interesting, and. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously right now huge for sports right now with that with the Michael Jordan the Last Dance just yeah. came out, so I've been watching that and that, I just watched that last night, the one or two episodes. So, um, other than that, honestly, it's just been family time and, and uh, yeah, we, we we got back home, so just trying to um, get out as much as possible on nice days and try to stay active, hoping that uh, we can come back to Minnesota sometime soon. The Last Dance was, I thought that the first two were incredible. I thought that stuff is yeah. so, it's so insightful and, and it takes you, as as far as pe- people like us go, it takes you into a place where we have n- never gotten close to and tells you that backstory of things. I thought that was really, really compelling. Yeah, no, that was, uh, I just, I love to see the, the, the business side of it with the, the general manager and him and, and Scotty Pippen, how they had their side show going on. And it's just, you know, I think, I, I, it sucked because I was really young at that point, but hearing about it later, I, I 
I'm sure Bulls fans at the time that were probably not involved, were wondering what was really going on. Well, now they get a chance to, to really see what, what, what was going on inside. And um, and then obviously at the same time, too, just to see how dominant Michael Jordan was. I can't believe his second playoff game, he had 62, 63 points and still ended up losing to the Celtics. And it was just it was just cool to see all the people around the league get interviewed at that time and just seeing how great he was. So, And, and I can't believe how much golf he played which is something else. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I would ever enter a, a first year of playoffs and go play 36 holes or 18 holes in between game one and game two and, and still have the energy to go and play. With an opponent, Marcus. And, and, and it, it would be the equivalent of you going to play golf between game one and two of a playoff series, and it would be with, with an opponent, too. He's playing yeah. with Ainge from the yeah, Celtics. That's, that's right. incredible about it. Yeah. And then, and then yeah, that was uh, – it's it's just unbelievable. The guy was uh, a, a different bird specimen for sure. A random question for you, Marcus, as we kind of wrap up here. Um, are, are you a big White Claw guy? Just throwing it out there. Just asking. White Claw? Yeah. No. No. Um, uh, some guys on the team have it, and I go, "What?" Okay. So that's that was that's my next part of like question. Who is the guy? Who are the guys in the wild that do love it? And if if you don't want to specify, I just wanted to know the guys that yeah just are are all in the white. That's a good question. Yeah, I want to know who who, who on the, the white white team drinks a white claw. Yeah, yeah who likes the white claw? Oh man, I, I I think I think the Europe the Europeans love it. But I'll say this one for sure one because I know because we just did a Facetime the other night. Uh, me and Brad Hunt, uh, Brad Hunt uh, was drinking a white claw, and I go. What are you drinking? I almost ended the FaceTime call. I, had, I was that disappointed in him. But he said they're great, low in calories, so he's just watching his weight right now, I guess. No, come on, man. The White Claw, it's it's too much. It's sunny, it's sunny. I thought that was, like, that's a summer drink or something. I don't know. What's your beer choice? Oh, man. I mean, Molson right now, what's that? I said little little Molson in Canada, little Labatt's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's all we have. But, um. Uh, sir, I, I usually just go with a Stella. Yeah, Stella is standard. Yeah, so I, I, I'm a big fan of Stella. F- favorite restaurant in the Twin Cities? If you if you oh. can only go to one, which one do you like to go to? Favorite restaurant? Um, I would have to go with. Uh, oh my God, what's the town one? I mean, Zello. I've been to numerous times downtown, mm-hmm. um, and I'm blacking out in this one. It's a it's an Italian spot. Um, oh, jeez. I'm butchering the boar. Um, is it in Minneapolis or St. Paul? Do you Bar, Bar La Grassa. Bar La Grassa. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah, big fan of that. That's very good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. White Claw. Declan, I told you, White Claw's <laughs> not cool. I, just, I, knew, I knew someone on the team was all in on it. I knew someone oh, had yeah. to be. <laughs> so I wanted to know. What, what's the last thing? What's the best secret that, that you are at, at liberty to tell us about a teammate that we wouldn't expect? <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> there's just so many here. Um, I mean, I, I don't think anyone knows that. Uh, I mean, everyone's probably going to, if there was everyone on the team that got asked this question, I feel like this guy would just get picked on about it. But uh, Ryan Donato, um, I think, shows up to games. Um, like, we have to be at a game, a 7 o'clock game. we got to be there at least by 5 o'clock. Sure. I think he's there at, like, 3.15. Yeah, 3.30. And he is in full sweat. By the time I'm walking in my suit, this guy's in full sweat. This guy just takes care of his body. He's a he's a rink rat. So I don't think uh, you know. I'm sure fans want to know what we um, 
yeah, like what, what we do on game days and stuff. I think this guy lives at the rink, to be honest with you. But, yeah, so, I mean, that guys give him a hard time because he's always he's always, he's always always warming up, always on the, the foam roller, things like that. And, and um, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah, that, even even on, in a way, he's got to take an Uber at a certain time. And I remember, I remember we, um, I think it was New York. There was really bad traffic this year. Yeah. And I think he was just panicking. Like, I think it's, he thought his game was going to be so thrown off that night. Like I, he was just so, I, I think he was almost ready to cry on the bus a little bit because he couldn't get in this two and a half hours warm up before the warm up. <laughs> what is the warm up? I, honestly, I don't even know because I'm not even there until 445 <laughs> anyway. So, <laughs> hey, hey, are are your are your goalies weird guys? Because they they used to be, you know, but back in your dad's day, I think they were pretty odd human beings. Are Stanlock and Dubnik odd guys at all? <laughs> uh, honestly, no. They're, they're probably one of the two. Um, I'll say this about Doobie. Doobie is very uh, smart, like intellectual. If he gets you into a conversation, he'll keep you there for a couple minutes. <laughs> Yeah, he he loves getting into the deep conversations with you. But Al is, uh, I mean, Doobie's yeah, Doobie's great. Um, Al Al is uh, probably one of the funnier guys I've ever met. Yeah, and especially as a goalie. Um, I know goalies seem to be a little bit more timid, more to themselves. Al's yeah. very outgoing, just a character guy in the room, controls the music a little bit, and, and uh, loves having fun and keeping it loose, especially when he's playing too. Um, you know, usually you can tell the difference between when a goalie's sitting out and when a goalie's playing. Sure, Al is just. He's always, always talking, always chatting, and I almost give my – I was – Ryan Hartman's my stallmate in the room, and I always look at him, I'm like, who's playing tonight? You know, like, is Al playing tonight? Because he seems so loose. But that's just who he is, and, and uh, he's he's, uh, he's an awesome guy. They both are. Great stuff, man. Thank you. Hey, no thanks, problem. Marcus. I really appreciate it, man. I really thanks appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me, guys. Talk to you. Stay talk safe. To you. you too. Stay safe. Thank you. He knows he once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down on the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA. That's DNA to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.